time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. people I think is good people. They are they have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. Welcome back to the Cold War episode 107. How are you today, Bubble Boy? I am beginning to thaw out and I couldn't be happier. Uh, Certainly more parts of my body than others, but I generally am a very happy camper right now. Tell everybody uh, what's been going on in Casa (gasps) del Harris. So eight days ago, the the uh, le- the heating goes. The heating basically gets reduced by at least fifty percent. I've got to put on the lumberjack clothes that I normally just wear. You know, certain occasions we don't have to go into that and go out into the wood and chop wood and manly bring it in and do the fire and all that shit. Which just reminded me of how old I am now because I did it fifteen years ago. But the repairman came. Um, he fixed it. He hit on my wife, and I'm like, dude, I'm good with that because now I'm warm. Y'all have a good time. But we, we now have heat. And it was in the middle of a, a cold front, so it was a pretty shitty eight days. But hopefully things will return to normal now. How cold is it in uh, bumfuck Virginia? Well, today it was actually pretty decent except for a wind chill. It got up to the upper 40s. I don't know what that is in uh, the the world weather, but uh, it's been in the teens for the last couple of days. It's been brutally, brutally cold. 40 40 Fahrenheit is 4 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Which is... For the rest of the world. Fucking cold. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So we're moving in with you. Congratulations. Do you know? Do you know how often it gets to four degrees in Brisbane? Never. <laughs> Tell me. Never. <laughs> never, <laughs> never gets that cold in Brisbane ever. <laughs> which which your winter clothes like? What 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 do you switch t-shirt. into during t shirt t shirt and shorts? Yeah. <laughs> occasionally Are quarter shorts. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Occasionally, um, we're in our cigar smoking days. Um, right. I you know if we were smoking cigars outside at night in winter, right? I would put on you know a light jacket, uh, right? <laughs> still, that's, still shorts. That's your winter coat, but right? Yeah, sure. just a, just a light a light jacket. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my winter clothes. Uh, your yeah. hoodie is your winter jacket. I got it. I'm yeah, I'm very yeah. jealous. Yeah. Basically a hoodie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then I'd usually you, get too hot after about 20 minutes. I'd have to right, take, take it off. <laughs> do you own socks? And I'm not, it's not a cut. I just, where you live, is that, do yeah, you no, no, I wear, so- I, I wear yeah. socks, but I only right. put them on uh, for my gym shoes. Uh, uh, go, you know, from running on the gotcha. treadmill, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, I, don't, so- I don't tend to wear Sock type shoes. If I'm going, I, I have like slip on like boat shoes is what I'll wear right. a lot. If I'm just going out, running down the running down to the shops, boat shoes. Yeah, 
okay. don't wear sandals. So, I'm not a sandals. Like, yeah, I've been posting photos on Instagram lately of you and I in Rome, in Europe, and you're wearing the sandal a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, not, not a good look, it's, the sandal. Not not a big fan really? of the sandal. I don't want to see your toes, hmm. really. It's very, no. <laughs> first of all, they're sexy. But no, it, it's very comfortable. You just slip them on, strap them on. And, and someone made a someone made a cut, a jibe about my sandals in one of those Facebook Yes, um, they did. Posts. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So th- those sandals have been to the beaches of Normandy. They've been to Athens. They've been to Rome. Um, so, you know, th- those sandals, have, um, they've got some quite um, and, and, illustrious And all of those places, people yeah. pointed at you and, <laughs> and snickered. <laughs> That's been and, happening my whole life. That's and nothing whispered, I can And whispered that. under their breath, fucking American tourists. <laughs> In well, all next those time languages I'll just, of those countries. I'll get some boating shoes. So when you're about to go to the gym, you just like, hey, honey, have you seen my one pair of sock? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have one pair. I've got three. Um, but okay. I usually wear the same <laughs> pair for like a week. <laughs> okay. Get your money's worth. Good for you. All right, let's get Good on with you. the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Last time, well, last time we had on um, Andrew Roberts. Uh, right. Talking about uh, Winston Churchill, um, mm-hmm. didn't get a lot of feedback on that. Oh, I thought people would like be very excited about that episode. Think got like nothing, no feedback. Nobody huh. said anything. Nobody said great interview. Nobody said terrible interview. Nobody said anything. So glad I oh, fucking I bothered reaching out to Andrew Roberts, <laughs> uh, world's leading historian. Right, uh, for all of the fucking yeah. enthusiasm that uh, got from the audience, but anyway, before that, we we yes. talking about the hoe, big hoe, right. dirty hoe. Um, he had signed a deal. It was March sixth, nineteen forty six. The French are putting pressure uh, on uh, China to get the fuck out of North Vietnam, uh, the Tonkin right. area. Hanoi, so uh, the French can can resume their colonial occupation. Uh, the French, uh, sorry, the Chinese were were uh, putting pressure on the French to sign a deal with Ho Chi Minh, right. um, and even uh, uh, bombed or, or, or shot rockets at French ships when they tried to land before a deal could be signed. Yeah. Um, finally, on March sixth, uh, the French and the Viet. Vietnamese government, led by President Ho Chi Minh, signed a deal that would allow the French back into the northern parts of Vietnam. But it was a temporary deal. It was a deal that made some temporary concessions in uh, return for a promise that they would uh, flesh it out a little bit more. Right. But but But, my thing is that... Sorry, go ahead. I apologize. I was just going to say that as we saw... In our Yalta episodes, mm-hmm. when you're doing these sorts of deals, the devil's in the details, <laughs> as we will see right. over the course of the next yeah. episode or two. Sorry, you were going to yeah. say something about I, your I, thing is my my thing. No, my thing. We're all no. My thing is that shrivel after Vietnamese. a week with no heating. <laughs> I'm, I'm suspecting sucked right back up inside your belly. <laughs> right, that whole. Thank you. I'm not sending. I'm not a quarter inch is. I'm not sending you any more pictures. Is um, can can yeah. can can a quarter inch <laughs> shrink 
or is it like you know when you're folding a piece of paper, you get to a point where you just can't fold it anymore. You just can't anymore. go anymore. Like, yeah, I, I, I got to be honest. You're killing the mood. I really have got to share that with you. No, no. But as as temporary as this is, and and, and as much as this agreement is to just try to stop everybody from shooting each other and to get the Chinese out because both sides want that. I mean, this agreement does say that the French will put in a phrase that says that recognizes Vietnam as a free state, and it says that the the Vietnamese can have their own government, parliament, army, and finances. Now, you and I know this is temporary, but you've got to think that. Vietnamese were hanging every bit of hope and frustration and every fear they possibly had ever since World War II has been going on. They're, they're hoping that this is it. Yes, we have to work out the details, but hopefully this is the beginning of something after centuries of not, or after decades of not having their own country. Hopefully this is going to turn into something more. Hey, just to- changing the topic for a second. You know how yeah. um, both of our wives, like every woman on the planet, there's, right. there's something that women right across the world have in common. I don't know if you know this, Ray. Um, mm. their, anatom- their anatomy. Um, right. uh, uh, Is this uh, another sex lesson? They, they, <laughs> they cry for no particular reason. And right. they're, all, they're all into true crime podcasts. Um, oh, my God, yes. And my wife yes. has been listening to an audio book over the last couple of weeks about the Golden State Killer. You know mm-hmm. about the Golden State Killer? Vaguely, but if I had four hours, I could ask Heather, and then she could just tell me all about it. But I, I don't know yeah. much. Yeah. Well, he was finally uh, he evaded capture for decades. Um, mm-hmm. Finally uh, arrested, I think last year, maybe the year before. Oh, do you know yeah. What, do, you know what, the- do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what his surname was? D'Angelo. No. D'Angelo. <laughs> Ray. I am not surprised. I am not fucking surprised. Oh, my God. I, I went, oh, shit. <laughs> Hope it's... He wasn't black, though, so it's okay. Right. Well. Yes. So they have hopes, the Vietnamese. Now, after the signing ceremony, Jean Santoni, who at this point... Um, I've read a lot of different titles for, for Santoni. He had been like uh, French intelligence in China. I've read that he was high commissioner. I read that he was special envoy to France. Not exactly 100% sure what his official title was at this stage, but let's go with Special Envoy for France. Um, Okay. He's the signing party on behalf of the French. He he was pretty pleased um, with the agreement, thought that they'd done a good job. Um, But Ho said, and I am sorry because fundamentally you have won the contest. You were well aware that I wanted more than this, but I realise well that we cannot have everything at once. And then he gave Santony mm-hmm. a hug, gave Pignon, the French colonial official, a hug, right. and said, my consolation is our friendship. <laughs> I'm sorry, on a scale from one to ten, and I'm not being flippant, how sincere do you think he was? Quite sincere. Uh, he and yeah. Santini, I, I think, got became quite close, as we'll see over the course of the next couple of episodes. But, like, this is a smooth motherfucker we're talking about here. Yes. And I have to ask you, do you think Ho got laid a lot? Um, You've seen pictures of him. Based off his physicality, no, but he was so sincere. He could talk. He could sell ice to an Eskimo. This guy was just so smooth. So he probably... Got some, he probably got a lot if he was able to talk to the woman for five minutes. I mean, this guy just comes know, across and everybody loves him. Yeah. 
Did you know he was married? No, I no. No, he didn't talk mm. about it. A lot. No, it gets a brief mention in the biographies. Um, he married a Chinese woman called Zheng Zhuaning, sure. or in Vietnamese, she's known as Tuyet Min. Um, uh, in 1926, uh, oh, okay. when he was in Ch- when he was in China, she was a Catholic. Now, I don't know how many yeah. Catholic. Why would a a Confucian Vietnamese man marry a Catholic Chinese woman? Well, the reverse is why would she marry him? I think he was quite a bit older than right. her. They lived together for about huh. six months, and then he had to get out of China uh, following the anti-communist uh, oh, activities yeah. there. Right. And apparently they never saw each other again. She is quoted in one of Aww. the biographies saying that, she didn't really like him. She only married him for his money. Now, marrying Ho Chi Minh <laughs> for his right? money would be like marrying you for your sense. height or for your sexual prowess. It just doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Thank you very much. Um, did she not know? Did he talk a good game? Did she think he would be a big man one day? Because... The man had no clothes. He didn't even have three pairs of socks like you did. I mean, the guy was skin and bone and poor his whole life Yeah, well, up to this point. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe when she said, you have lots of money, he just kind of gave her the old wink. You know? <laughs> like, uh, you know, what is money? He probably said, what is money? You know, sure. Let well, me tell you about money. It depends on how you define wealth. Right, um, right. Uh, anyway, back to Ho in the agreement. Um, he he signed it first on behalf of the Vietnamese government, but then he asked Vo Hong Khan from the Nationalists to co-sign because mm-hmm. remember the Viet Minh had had formed a coalition with the Nationalists, trying to get right. a broad base of support for the independence. So this was his way of trying to prevent the nationalists from criticising the agreement or criticising him Uh for signing the agreement because effectively he's allowing the French back in. Uh, The the brutal, oppressive French who have brutalised the Vietnamese for 100 years, he's letting them back into the country. A lot of people aren't going to be happy about that. But uh, right. he realizes it's a stepping stone. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because we, if you have a temporary agreement, you can put in any wording you want. But if you let me bring 15,000 troops into Hanoi after I sign this, it kind of doesn't matter what I just signed because now I can go back to the way I was. I can exert influence and power, you know, directly threaten lives and that kind of stuff. So... I mean, we both realized that he did not have much of a choice. He was trying to do the best he could with what he had. But at the end of the day, there are now, you know, thousands of French troops back in the northern part of the country. And and as we're going to see, that's pretty much what some of them were aiming at, because things are going to turn south really fast. And as we saw down in the south, uh, when the rebels down there tried to fight the French, they got crushed pretty quickly. Mm. Um, right. So yeah. they're not they're not 
ready to win a head-to-head battle. So he's smart enough to know that, that this is a long game. He's been playing a long game at this stage for uh, (laughs) 26 years. He's... uh, He's not in a hurry. It's it's he's right. he's like the tortoise in the hare and the tortoise. Yeah, uh, you know, just getting well, to the finish get line is the important thing. Doesn't matter, right? Um, you don't <laughs> exactly. have to get there quickly. Now, when newspapers reported the agreement the next day, it was met with a combination of surprise, anger, and indifference. Just like when you ask your wife for sex. Now, right. Hose- which is why I quit asking. Uh huh. <laughs> just go for it. Just go. Better, what's that saying? It's better to <laughs> beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. Speaking of for toxic masculinity, right. yeah. I don't know, <laughs> Fox, Fox is Fox is going through this Michael Jackson stage. He's obsessed with Michael Jackson. Uh-huh. Loves Michael Jackson's right? songs. Loves the film clips, the dancing. He's drawing pictures of Michael <laughs> Jackson all the time. And he stumbled across right. The Way You Make Me Feel, uh, I think, from the Bad Ooh. album um, the other day. Yeah. Listening to it over and over and over on Spotify. And I said, well, let me pull up the film clip. So I pulled up the film clip for The Way You Make Me Feel. Ooh, Holy no, fucking no, no, shit. No. It is the stalkiest <laughs> mo- yes. film clip. I don't know. Have you yes. seen it in recent memory? Oh, Do yeah. You, I've, got yeah? It, I've got it memorized. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Just so interface for- stopping her physically. Yeah. Yeah. For people who don't haven't seen or don't remember, basically starts with a young, uh, very very attractive and skinny black girl walking down an alleyway late at night. Mm-hmm. Um, some right. catcalling going on, and there's a, Michael Jackson like stands in front of her. She walks around him, and then he screams out, "Ah!" Right. And she like yeah. stops. He's got this angry look on his face, and then yes, for Michael, it's angry. The whole film clip is basically her trying to get away and Michael and a group right. of scary-looking dudes stopping her from getting away. And he's, like, thrusting Physically. his hips at her and getting in her face yeah. and singing at her. She keeps trying to run. He keeps trying to stop her. He's chasing her down. Um, and yeah. then finally, Not good. At, at her most terrified, she laughs and kisses him and it's all okay. I'm like, so the lesson <laughs> there... Kids, like people are up in arms about Gillette's toxic Mexican. We did this on the bullshit filler the other day. Like, check out this right. film clip and go, like, Chrissy, if Fox is watching it, I'm saying to Chrissy, oh, oh. she goes, I don't think Fox should watch this. I'm going, well, I'm going to tell him that yeah. this is not the way you treat girls. Yeah. Uh, this is, yeah. Ma- he goes, well, why is Michael doing it? I go, well, Michael was a dick, basically. I'm sorry to break right. it to you. Michael Jackson was a dick. Anyway. <laughs> Um, well, well, just real quick, Michael's the only one who can actually physically stalk a woman and have her not be afraid because he's like 98 pounds soaking wet. So she could probably kick his ass. But the point is, yeah, c- compared to today's standards, that is absolutely horrendous. And thank you for ruining another 80s mo- moment for me. It's really, it's re- like, okay. I mean, oh, yeah. I am not your social justice warrior, really. I mean, I, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy. No, you're Australian. I'm happy to say the N-word. You know that. I've called you the N-word on many <laughs> yes. an occasion. Yes. Um, but I watched this and was like, oh, this is bad. This is like this really. <laughs> not good, bad. Really bad. Bad, bad. This is horrible. Yeah. I'm surprised it's even like allowed the on the internet. Album. Yeah, yeah, bad. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anywho. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Fit Min. Um, okay, so, yes. He was trying, he got Vo Hong Khan to sign it um, to try and pre- prevent criticism. Now, 
Didn't work. Um, yeah. You know, people were claiming, particularly the nationalists, that he'd been duped by the French. They called him a traitor. Um, yeah. So he gave a bit of a bit of a speech uh, the next day. He and Zap uh, gave a speech to a big crowd. Zap started. He compared the agreement to Lenin signing the Brest-Litovsk Treaty in 1918. Mm. Now I remember we talked about that way way back in the series. You want to remind people what the Brest-Litovsk Treaty was all about? Yeah, that was basically Lenin sacrificing, or you can say the communists, but Lenin um, sacrificing the breadbasket of the Soviet, uh, the Russian Empire, to get out of the war. Uh, it was it was seen as the ultimate betrayal. But basically, the um, the Ukraine, which is you know feeds a lot of the Russians, was just handed over to the enemy to get out of the war, to leave them alone, so the Russians can get on with their revolution. And it was just seen as the ultimate sacrifice and uh, slap in the face to your fellow co- countrymen. So for him to compare it to that is is a very damning comparison. Well, I, I I don't know. I don't think it is. That's how I read it. No, Zap is yeah. on Zap is on board, man. Zap Zap's Ho's right hand man. Oh, that's fine, but why would he make a yeah. damning comparison what if are he's they on the same up? team? No, what what Ho is saying here is like, listen, so what Zap is saying is sometimes you need to give away something in order to mm-hmm. get something. Give away something in the short term to get away something in the long term. So Lenin right. needed to sign this because it prevented further invasion of Russia by the Germans, um, and it ended up being annulled anyway. Um, when it was seven, eight months later, when the armistice was signed, so it didn't last very right. long. Temporary sacrifice in order to get them out of the war. Uh, he's saying the same thing with this. Listen, yes, short term, um, we're not very happy about it, but we have to. We have to sign this now in order to get what we want down the track. And Ho got up after him and explained that the agreement was a way to get international recognition for the government, the 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 mm. you know the the independent government. Um, he right. said he, he you know he would rather die than betray his country. This wasn't a betrayal. This was baby steps, baby steps. He said, right, <laughs> which which is all great. If it all works out. Baby steps? It means setting small, reasonable goals for yourself, one day at a time. One tiny step at a time. Baby steps? For instance, um, when you leave this office, don't think about everything you have to do in order to get out of the building. Just think of what you must do to get out of this room. And when you get to the hall, deal with that hall, and so forth. You see? Baby steps. Baby steps. Oh, boy. Baby steps. Baby steps. Baby steps through the office. Baby steps out the door. It works. It works. All I have to do is take one little step at a time, and I can do anything. Mm. There you go. Bill Murray. Yeah. Uh, teaching you all about the Brest-Litovsk Treaty of 1918. It's about baby steps. God, that's a great movie. I haven't seen that movie in years. i got to watch that movie. 
Um, yeah. Sorry, a reminder just popped up uh, to um, shoot some video to post on Instagram of us recording this, so I'm going to do that. Um, while I talk, um, I will be shooting video for a minute. All right. <laughs> this is ridiculous. My kids told me I have to do this. Okay, so Ho explained that uh, he, he would rather die than betray his country. So a few days later, the party issued a statement right. saying, listen, the agreement with France is to gain time to preserve our forces and we're moving towards complete independence. But you can't get that all at once. It takes, it takes time to achieve this. Baby steps, as Bill Murray said in What About Bob? Right. Baby steps. Uh, so after this, um, <laughs> right. Zap, Zap Ho's uh, military commander is 2IC, met with General Leclerc from the French. They were going to discuss how their militaries are going to work together. Where, where are they going to uh, cooperate? Uh, how are they going to give up bits in here and bits in there? It's all that kind of stuff. Um, but they, they basically signed an armistice, uh, agreed to an armistice, but mm-hmm. there continued to be clashes between the French and the Vietnamese around the country. And I think it's important that we remember that from the perspective of many Vietnamese, this was their chance to pay back the French who had treated them and their parents and oh. grandparents like shit for 100 years. Um, and, sure. and, and from the French perspective, for the French military that were there, they probably saw the Vietnamese as an inferior race. Just think about how American right. soldiers thought about the Vietnamese 20 years later when they were there. They, they referred to them as what, Ray? Um, oh, gooks? Gooks. My- the gooks. gooks? Um, yeah. So they Dehumanized were, them. Dehumanized yeah. them, exactly. So, you know, there's a lot of that tension still going on. The French see themselves as the superior race. Um, the Vietnamese <laughs> right. have got a lot of anger and resentment. And so, you know, things are flaring up all over the country, uh, despite Ho having signed uh, a temporary agreement with the French uh, on March 6, 1946. Okay, the Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Okay. Yeah, so they were clashing, but fortunately for both sides, it doesn't escalate into something more. However, because of these small but persistent clashes, both sides are wary. There seems to be no trust between the two, and there certainly is no respect, certainly from the uh, the French side. And, and I just wanted to mention, as far as the French side goes, you know, back in Paris, this ho Santini agreement is received back in Paris, and generally it's considered a decent document on March 9th, the Minister of of overseas territories, Marius Muntet um, submitted the agreement to the Council of Ministers. They give it a tentative approval, and even to the point where the um, Foreign Minister George Bidot says, "Hey, this agreement is so decent that maybe we could use this for our other colonial areas that are under French control." So. I don't know if this is just a uh, feeling of optimism that something's been signed between the two and hopefully things are going to go back to the way the French want them to, but they are certainly going to be in for a surprise because, like we said earlier, the Vietnamese are hanging big hopes on this March 6th accord. Well, in back in Vietnam, the the non communists are still criticising it. Um, And we have to remember that... The, yeah. the, the non-communists, uh, the, the nationalists, 
were kind of pro-Chinese. They had a deal with China. We, we think they were trying to engineer um, a China-friendly uh, Vietnamese government, whereas Ho, on the other hand, thought the Chinese were probably worse than the French. Um, so he was trying to <laughs> right. get them completely independent from all colonial powers. He, he actually saw the French as being easier to beat than the Chinese because uh, they were further away. And, wow. You know, he still believed, that, I think, that the Americans might come in and support them. Um, and actually, mm-hmm. on the same day that the first 1,200 French troops arrived in Hanoi, um, Ho met with the U.S. Army Major Frank White, who was the new sort of OSS guy in Hanoi, and, you know, tried mm-hmm. to get more information from him on Washington's view of the whole situation. He said he still hoped that the U.S. would provide money and machines to help uh, Vietnam, right. uh, 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 you know, uh, get up to speed, become more uh, productive, be able to feed themselves, avoid future famines, all of that kind of stuff. But he also told White that he was sceptical uh, at this juncture that the U.S. was <laughs> going to do anything for them. They were This country was so small, so far away. But he did invite White uh, to attend a dinner that he was putting on that night, like a, a, a diplomatic dinner for the French. Right. And he sat White next to himself, which apparently upset a lot of people. Um, and when White asked him why he had, because he was like a minor, minor guy, right? All these dignitaries are there, all these right. the French hoi polloi. They're like, well, why aren't we <laughs> sitting next to the uh, the president? And White said, why, why are you sitting? He goes, well, you're the only guy I can really talk to. I can't talk to the French, um, <laughs> you know. But he's he's sucking up, yeah. I think, too, Ho. He's, he's sucking, right. sucking up to every American that he can find because he really does believe that America is his only hope, that uh, they are the Obi-Wan to his Princess Leia. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Yeah, I mean, he's and, absolutely right. I mean, because he's – yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you to explain what his chances were of getting help from the United States. Oh, yeah, not – not good because again, and I don't know how many times we said this. I think it was back in late February that Ho sent another letter to President Truman asking for uh, help in uh, the Vietnamese independence. You know, something along the lines of, "Oh, I don't know. Let me pluck something out of the air." The principles of the UN Charter that have you know recently gone into play. Um, so he sends this the census letter, but like all the other letters before it, what is the response? Birds chirping. Cue the uh, 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 what's the expression? Fuck, I'm just going to cut that just out. Anyway, tumble, so what, tumbleweeds, tumbleweeds, tumbleweeds. So, so what's the tum, cue the tumbleweeds rolling across the screen? So again, Truman does not even dignify it with a response because he's got other things going on. And and I think Ho is right. You're too far away. You're too small. And I have to keep the French appeased for a whole bunch of other different reasons that have to do with Europe. I haven't got time for you. Wow. Like, all the, you know, yeah, fuck, man. Just a letter. Look, you know, Just, President Ho, yeah. uh, thank you. Say thank you very much for your letter of February the 3rd. Um, we in <laughs> the United States oh, absolutely right. uh, um, agree with the principles of self-determination. And um, I'll be sending uh, one of my people down to, to meet with you. 
um, uh, so we can open up a line of uh, future dialogue. Thank you so much for reaching out to me. Uh, got to got to go now. Right. Um, trying to ramp trying to ramp up a cold war. <laughs> Uh, yours, yours truly, uh, <laughs> Harry, Harry T. Yeah, I mean, not fucking hard. Just write a little letter. People, Get somebody else like to do people. It. Yeah, people send me emails all the time. You know, message me on Facebook and that kind of stuff. I don't ignore them. Right. I write back. I go, hey, thanks very much. Yeah, well said. Thank you. Thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. They they send right. me fucking. They send me cover versions of Africa that I've seen a thousand and one times before. That's in the okay. last week. And I go, thanks. Thanks for sending yeah. it. Thumbs up. Thanks for your, you know, taking your time. I'm, yeah. I'm busy. I'm important. Um, right. I, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like a man of the people, though. <laughs> right. I'm a man of the people. <laughs> like, just fucking reply. It's not that hard, Truman. Right. You dick. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, James Burns, Jimmy Burns, uh, who at this stage is now the Secretary of State, uh, when he heard about the the deal that Ho had signed with the French, said he was happy about the fact that the mm. French had their old colonial possession back. Thumbs oh. up. He liked that. He saw it on Facebook. He hit the like button. Right. Yeah, he was like, you know, <laughs> celebrate. He went, hey, little fireworks on animated fireworks on the screen. Um, the, the the Americans had, uh, at this stage, at least Truman and Burns. Um, were well and truly on the side of the French getting their old colonial possession back. Now, Truman had just hosted Churchill at Fulton to give his famous Iron Curtain speech. Um, So there's no way. There's no way he's going to help some dirty, stinking communists. Uh, Even even though, as we've seen, Ho keeps saying, listen, I'm going to join anyone that will have me. It's the opposite of Groucho Marx's uh, dictum. (laughs) that I would not want to belong to any club that would have me as a member. Ho is like, I'll join anybody that'll help. Anyone right. that wants to yeah. help, I will, I'm on their side. Um, communist, schmommunist. You're like, if you want to help me uh, get independence for my people, I, tell, just tell me where do I sign. I'll become a Freemason. I'll become a Scientologist. I don't care, whatever it <laughs> whatever. takes. <laughs> well, see, for me, because Ho has been denying in in his own way to some degree that he is a communist. Let's just say that there is a decent chance that he's a communist or, or, or it's being considered that he's a communist versus just an out and out communist. But even that is enough for Truman. Certainly after Churchill's speech, I can have no truck with any red or anybody who's even pink or light red, whatever. The point is he cannot go down that road because he is drawing a line in the sand and you're either with us or against us. I think that's his mentality at this point. But how the fuck do you stop people from being communists if you don't sit down and talk to them? Oh, well, if you're going to use the reasonable approach, then I'm just going to hit mm. cancel. You just bomb them. No, I, we, yeah. don't need to, we, yeah. we don't need to you, talk. You we got them. the bomb. We got the bomb. We don't need to talk. Bomb them until <laughs> So later, later in March, Ho met with the French High Commissioner, D'Argenlieu. Uh, mm-hmm. We've talked about before. I think he was like a former fucking Trappist monk or something. Um, They agreed uh, at at some point during these discussions that Ho should fly to Paris for further discussions. Now, they both thought this was a good idea for different reasons. Ho wanted to be in Paris because he wanted to influence public opinion while he was there. Um, He knows he can talk a good game. He's very fucking Mm -hmm. smooth. He's the Don Draper of communist revolutionaries. 
Um, <laughs> and he knows he's got a good chance of getting the people on his side if he's actually in France. The French wanted to get him to France so he'd be away from the militants and his own government and the influence oh. of the Chinese. And they thought they could you know, sort of browbeat him and get him to sign whatever the fuck they wanted because, again, they probably see him as an inferior species. Yeah. But l- let me ask you. Let me ask you real quick, because just because Ho is not ready to go to war, he's not like some of the militants of his party. He's not like some of the nationalists who, who are opposing him. Um, just because this guy is not ready to duke it out right here, right now, that doesn't mean that he's any less determined than anyone else. It's just that he's biding his time. I mean, this guy has read his Sun Tzu. Just because he's not ready to go to war doesn't mean he won't eventually go to war or doesn't mean that he's not he's not as focused as everybody else. He's just playing a smarter game and a longer game than everyone else. And I don't think the French appreciated that. If they, they really thought they could bring him to Paris and intimidate him, they know nothing about this man. And they do know nothing about this man. I think that's the point. Yeah, look, they've been aware of him for decades as a bit of a rabble rouser and a troublemaker, and a few of them now have met with him and go, wow, this guy's mm-hmm. really fucking articulate and intelligent He's nice. and patient. Yeah. He's nice, yeah. yeah. But they yeah. don't really know that his spine is made of fucking the same stuff that Wolverine's claws are made out of, right? Unobtainium. <laughs> um, you know, they... They don't know that. He's just like this weak, nice, you know, fragile, frail old man. They have no fucking idea at this stage what's coming for them. <laughs> they <Right>. really don't. <laughs> they just think, yeah, you know, I, I can see it in, in some of their statements. They just, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll get into this uh, over the course of the next couple of episodes, but they just think they can push this guy around like they've been pushing the Vietnamese around for a century yeah. Um yeah. this is, you know, colonial colonialists just think that um they are superior, manifest destiny type approach. We get what we want. Fuck you. You don't know yeah. anything. We we will win. You will lose uh because we're bigger and meaner and nastier. That's how they yeah. think this is going to play out here. Uh, and they have the support of the Americans, quite frankly. Uh, so right. what are you going to do, you you know, puny little, you know, Vietnamese man? You, you, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, well, so it, it's fascinating yeah. to go back in time. And I've been going back in newspapers.com and reading newspaper reports right. from, from 1946, um, getting sort of the, the, the journalism from the time. It's fascinating um, how... Little people knew um, about Ho and and what he was capable of back then. Right. They were projecting their own uh, condescension onto him. What we didn't mention, I don't think we mentioned it, is that when the 12,000 French troops come into Hanoi, they come in riding American equipment, American jeeps, American trucks. They have American weapons and things like that because they've been so beat down that they have to use, um, you know, Lend-Lease or whatever the Americans have give them, given them over the last year or two. So they come in, and so that's got to shake up the Vietnamese a little bit to know that, one, they're using American weapons, so does that mean the Americans are on their side, or at the very least, their weapons, even though they're, they might be the throwaways of the Americans, they're a hell of a lot better than what we got. So that's got to uh, that's got to shake up the Vietnamese who want to fight, even though, like you said, they are very determined, and we're going to see how powerful that is in the future. But I, I thought this was interesting. This this whole thing 
is a non-starter because the French do not respect them. As you said, they don't think of them as their equals as far as being humans. But when they have a preliminary talk at uh, Dilat uh, in mid-April, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to have a little talk before they have a big talk to kind of work out, you know, what are we going to be talking about? You know, you have the, the preliminary conversations first. But for me, it comes down to this. So the Vietnamese see their future as a sovereign state within the French Union, but they're generally going to be free to do what they want. The French think of this as, um, well, yes, you're going to be in the French Federation, but like a a federation, you're going to have to give up many of your rights to the French government and the high commissioner. So even before they get started, they just literally refuse to see the other person's point of view. And it's just a matter of... you know, because this is hindsight, obviously, before things fall apart, they just refuse to come to the negotiating table in good faith, at least on the, the French side. Yeah, and there was a, there were some other things that they couldn't agree on at this first meeting. Um, one of those was uh, the, the uh, sort of an extension to the um, March Accords to end hostilities in the South, Right. Um, you know, the French still saw it as their job to uh, uh, take over the South militarily and clean, clean up. it up. There were rebels yeah. still there fighting against them. They were trying to figure out some sort of terms for a ceasefire, but um, they didn't really get far on that. And also, this is a big one. The French had it in their heads that uh, Cochin China as it was mm-hmm. referred to, basically the southern part of Vietnam, where Saigon was, would right. be split off from the north and would be its own state, oh. which would um, you know, be French-run, French-controlled. And the Vietnamese right. were totally against that. They wanted it to be all one country. Yeah. Now, um, and it's, you know, this is the area where... Uh, Colonel Peter Dewey, the first American to die in Vietnam just before he was killed, said ah. Cochin China was burning, remember? And he right. was like, we need to get the fuck out of here. This is going to yes. erupt. Uh, right. And then he got killed. So the French wanted to separate it uh, into a separate state. And remember, too, that Cochin China was the breadbasket of mm-hmm. Vietnam. This is where a lot of the, the crops were, the grain was growing, and the ah. French are going to try and you know keep that to themselves the Vietnamese are like, fuck off. No way. This yeah. is all part of the one deal. So they're, they're clashing on that, Diagenlio and uh, Zap, when they're meeting in Dalat. Um, uh, Ho wasn't there for these meetings. Um, they also were, were clashing over the future of Vietnam as a free state. As you said, the French wanted it to be uh, sort of quasi-free, but there would mm-hmm. be the French military. The French basically got to dictate a lot of the terms of how the place would be run. Um, Viet- the Vietnamese wanted it to be completely free and independent, but they would be part of a French union. They said, well, look, we'll still be part of your economic bloc, yeah. basically. We will trade yeah. with you. We'll give you first right of refusal for deals. But we, we, you know, we can trade with others. We can have diplomatic relationships with others. The French are like, fuck that. No, you're still going to be part of uh, f- the French Union. You do what we say. So, you know, it's... it's right. By the way, what do we say? By the way, the, the name Cochin China uh, is mm-hmm. Dutch. Um, they, oh. The Dutch named the area Cochin China, borrowing the first part, the Cochin, from the Malay word Kuchi, which referred to all of Vietnam, and that's mm-hmm. where we get, you know, past the Kuchi on the left-hand side Tense. from. I knew it. It's when, right. when you were in a ship and you were sailing past Vietnam, 
you were like, pause the kachi on the <laughs> left-hand side. Pause oh. the kachi on the left-hand side and we go bump. <laughs> it's a fact. Um, That's history. Yeah. 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 Now, yeah. Uh, on June 1st, 24 hours before Ho was due to fly to Paris, Diagenlio, mm-hmm. D- the French High Commissioner, recognized the Autonomous Republic of Cochin China in the name of France. A little what? bit like Donald, Donald Trump this week recognizing uh, the uh, new president of Venezuela, the guy who right. just declared himself president even though he lost the election. <laughs> Right. Trump's just recognized him as the new president. Um, <sighs> this is what uh, Dr. Jean-Lieu did to the Republic. He goes, well, it's now its own thing. We've just yeah. decided it's uh, autonomous. The Republic of Cochin China, deal's done. Thank you very much. Now, why, <laughs> why would he do such a thing just before Ho was due to fly to Paris to negotiate about the future of this, among other things, Ray? Well, my guess is that the um, the French, along with the Vietnamese nationalists, are pretty much trying to wreck the talks. I mean, this is just, this is just my guess, that my interpretation. But yeah, to do something so blatant, to do something that is against the March Six Accords, to do something that is clearly going to set off a firestorm within Vietnam, maybe they're going to start fighting, which will give the French a chance to sh- to shoot back. I don't know. But this entire thing, this guy just has. His his own idea of what should happen. He's trying to ram it through. There, there's no talking. There's no negotiating. He's not asking Paris, can he do this? He just boom. He just does it. I think he's just trying to wreck the talks before they can even get underway in in France. That's my interpretation. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think he's just trying to create trouble. Um, yeah. You know, I think Ho's idea was that they should have a referendum in the South uh, mm-hmm. to let people decide whether they wanted to be huh. separate or a part of uh, the unified Vietnam. And Dargenlo is going, well, you know, no, too late. There's no point. It's already it's a- done. I did it. Yeah. See, there, it's done. Um, now, he had no authority to do that. Right. Um, so really just But like, you got to think the people in Paris – aren't pissed at him. That would be my guess. Well, again, Diagenlo, I think, uh, had the same approach to this as you have to having sex with your wife. Better to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. <laughs> just did it, right? I'll just Wise do it man. And we'll worry, Wise man. worry about yeah. it later. Um, <laughs> he just pulled down the pants of coach in China, slipped his dick in, and said, well, it's not rape because Done. we're married, kind of. Yeah. Says, no, it's not, it doesn't work that way. Yes, uh, tell it to the judge. I'm getting turned on. Yes, I right. fucking will. <laughs> you get turned on. <laughs> Shit. Now, I'm going. when, when people told Ho that Diagenle had just done this, he was shocked. He was like, no. It reminds me of when uh, people told Stalin that Hitler had invaded <laughs> in 1941. <laughs> He's like, what? what? No. No, check, the, check that again. Yeah, that came, you're you're crazy. <laughs> you misheard that. There's no way he would send, do send that. Send someone we, out there. Send someone out there. We've got an agreement. We just yeah. signed a fucking agreement. Yeah. Like I got it framed over my desk. <laughs> yeah, there's no way he would do yeah. such a thing. People are like, oh yeah. no, 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 he, he did. <laughs> Three it. million men. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah. yeah. So then on June second. 
<laughs> just to make matters worse, just before Ho was getting on a plane to fly to Paris, a government crisis erupted in France and they got a new government. The socialists lost right. to the conservatives uh, oh. and they had basically a new uh, PM there led by Georges Bidot, the former foreign minister who was the head of a conservative party over there. Um, so the agreement that Ho's just signed with the former government oh, now probably is meaningless because that government's gone and there's a new government. To make matters worse, <clears throat> the new government hasn't formed a cabinet yet, so there's no one for him to meet with in Paris. Right. <laughs> there is no government, effectively. There's sort of an election, snap yeah. election, but there's no government. So there's no one for him to meet. So uh, he goes on a bit of a holiday. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it was wise of Ho to, um, to I mean, the, the team is going, the Vietnamese team is going there because they're going to be doing the actual negotiating. But Ho is going to go, well, it would look tacky for me to show up and there's no one to meet me, you know, to, to, to do the normal dignitary stuff. So Ho's going to hang out, take his time getting there until there's a government formed, until there is someone officially who can, who can meet him. And I think that was a wise move on his part. Yeah, so he and Jean Santoni went to Biarritz, uh, a a, a seaside tourist destination, very luxurious, Mm -hmm. known for the Hôtel du Palais, which was originally built for the Empress Eugenie, the wife of Napoleon III in 1855. Wow. Um, But Ho's not staying there. He's staying at another luxurious hotel, the Carlton Hotel, just off the beach. Now... Imagine what it must be like for a man who had been poor his entire life, you know, running his uh, revolutionary party in a fucking cave a couple of years ago, Uh, been on the run from various authorities his whole life uh, without a, you know, without a three square meals probably since he was a kid. Now he's staying at this luxurious hotel. Uh, The French, I think, are picking up the dime. They are. Um, Just off the beach. Um, It must have been a bit fucking surreal and trippy for him. Uh, He's being babysat by Santony, who took him to a nearby resort where his sister owned a villa. And Ho spent hours playing with Santony's nephews on the beach. Mm. They're playing, you know, kick the kick the ball with the Vietnamese revolutionary uh, leader. <laughs> now um, president. <laughs> they went to a bullfight over the border in Spain. Um, it's, yeah, fuck, I'd love video. I imagine right. just video of watching Ho just <laughs> kicking it up in uh, this, these French resorts for yeah. a month or whatever it was. Um, when he went out um, and in public, he... Uh, got a warm reception from the French everywhere he went. He was very charming. People loved him. Um, Reporters loved him. They found him engaging, witty, self-deprecating. To women journalists, he presented flowers. Um, Even if he didn't have any, it was like a magic trick that he learned in his (laughs) youth. He'd just like, poof, flowers would appear. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I gave away the trick. I'm sorry. 
Sorry. <laughs> one, one journalist wrote, as soon as one approaches this frail man, one shares the admiration of all men around him, over whom he towers with his serenity acquired from wide experience. Other journalists compared him to a combination of Confucius, St. John the Baptist, and the Buddha. Oh, God. <laughs> Everywhere he went, people talked about his savoir-faire, his love of children, his asceticism, mm-hmm. he refused to drink, and his simple attire, you know, he just wore that same yeah. simple high-buttoned linen suit. Right. Uh, that he wore everywhere, formal occasions, informal occasions, usually just simple sandals or, or simple like fucking shoes made out of leather or straw. Um, people were just sort of impressed with him everywhere he went, even the French. Jacques Dumain, who was the director of protocol at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, wrote mm-hmm. in his diary, we had an intimate lunch with Ho Chi Minh. One has to admire the mastery of this self-taught man, his language skills, his ability to make his views accessible, to make his intentions seem moderate, and his politeness. His entourage is nervous, fanatical, and reckless, while he plays the wise and insightful one. Hmm. Now, uh, yeah. Sorry, I wanted to. I wanted to tell a story about him visiting Lords. But do you have something else you want no, to say? No, I, I have a, an observation. But please tell your story first because it probably fits into what I'm thinking. So please go ahead. So uh, he and Santini went to visit the Catholic pilgrimage spot at Lords. Uh, mm-hmm. Now the story behind Lords, I'm sure most people are probably familiar with it. Uh, in 1858, a uh, simple-minded 14-year-old girl called Bernadette Subiro was out gathering firewood with her sister and some other friends near a grotto when Bernadette claimed she saw a vision of a small young lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, her sister and her friends said they saw nothing. The vision told her to come back every day for 18 days, which she did. Now, a ghost appears to you, Ray, and says, come back every 18 days. Uh, What's your first reaction? Why? Why in the fuck would I do that? Yeah, apparently, I think she did ask that, didn't get an answer. Okay. Are you coming back? I'm not going back. I'm like, fuck off. I, I, I I can't fit you into my schedule 18 days. No one gets that kind of privilege with me. I'm sorry. I'm outie. I got to go. Even your wife doesn't see you 18 no. days. Because you've got your other well, families that you have right. to go and spend. <laughs> well, that's actually time. by request. But yeah, no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but Bernadette, simple-minded young girl as she was, kept going back every day. Sure. And on sure. the 17th, every day she'd go, who are you? And the ghost would just smile and say nothing. On the 17th day, the apparition disclosed that it was the Virgin Mary, mother of Jesus. Right. Um, Now, apparently Bernadette believed her. I'd be asking Mm. for proof. Do you have any identification? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Why should I believe you? You're some weird fucking creepy ghost. Do you have a driver's license? Uh, You know, anything, really? Anything. Yeah. Anyway, Bernadette believed her, and the, the, the ghost told her to tell people to build a church on that spot, which they did. Oh, now, the uh-huh. now, 
six million people visit Lords every year, Ray. Six million. Wow. Good God. Um, 80,000 of those are seeking a miracle cure. Because apparently if you bathe in the waters, the Virgin Mary will cure you. How that works, the science behind that, no one really really understands, but I'm sure it's completely legitimate. Um, Right. Why you need to bathe in the waters for her to cure you. Like if she wants to cure you and she has magic, why not just do the fucking magic? Why... Do you right. need to bathe in the water? She's like, no, nah, I don't. I don't do magic on dirty people. No. Um, you got to be no. clean. Yeah. Well, can I use a wet wipe? No, no, no that's it's not the same. No, that's that's Come right on. out. No, we don't have yeah. wet wipes in 1858. What the fuck are you talking about? No. Right. What, if, what about a sponge? Can I use a sponge? No, no, you it's can't hot, use a sponge. No. You have to you have to, yeah. you have to bathe in the right. water. Get all your clothes off. That's it. Keep going. Get yeah. Ignore this camera. Right. (laughs) Just don't look at me. Don't look at me while you're doing it. I'm I'm busy. Ignore that flash. Ignore that flash. Alright, you're cured. (laughs) Fuck off. Next. No. So eighty thousand people a year. Go there for a miracle cure. Do you know how many people have been miraculously cured? In 150 years at 80,000 people a year, Ray? Uh, no, I'm guessing 50%. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm guessing not as many as would be impressive. Hold on. Uh, 80,000 times uh, let's say 120 years roughly that's 9.6 million people right Mm 9.6 million people 4.8 have have gone there cured seeking a cure right according to the catholic church who monitors such things using their highly advanced science here we go uh 67 people have been (laughs) miraculously cured out of the nearly 10 million yeah. that have been visiting the uh, site and bathing in the magic waters since 1858. Do you know what I call that? Um, that's weak juju. That? That's weak medicine. If you've only cured <laughs> no, that many Jews. people out of all those. No, Jews, no, Jews don't, don't get cured. Only Catholics. No, no, no Jews oh, allowed. Yeah. No, no, Mary's, I'm just saying. Mary's it, not curing Jews. No, no, fuck them. No, what I'm saying is, if you cure that few people, then your 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 religion, your God, he ain't he ain't uh, he ain't Zeus. You know what I'm saying? He's not the biggest baddest thing um, out there. So if that's all you can do, then just close up shop and go somewhere else because that is not an impressive number. But I'm sure the church well, and whoever touts that very highly to keep the people coming in for the dollars for the tourist dollars. Now I have to wonder why. Now either. Mary is just really, really fucking lazy. She's, old, she's sitting uh, on her iPhone. She's flicking through Instagram. <laughs> Camp and Candy like, Crush. Like, that's about one miracle every two years she oh, does. I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> even even could Ray t- could do that. <laughs> Those even are Ray, Ray yeah. works harder than <laughs> the Virgin Mary. Aw, thank you. See, there's, a, there's a mug. There's always, there's a coffee there's mug. Always, 
There's always somebody you can look down on, Ray. Um, <laughs> look down on the Virgin Mary. At your oh height, it gets, it's difficult to look down on right. people, and there's right. like there's like midgets. Right. That are but I enjoy it when I can. You. Oh yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a good feeling. And then there's the Virgin Mary, or maybe <laughs> the people that are going there are just really bad Catholics. Um, oh yeah. She's like, nah, nah. Yeah. You haven't said you enough Hail Marys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, here's the best bit of the story. Magic waters, right. miracle cures. Mm-hmm. Bernadette, the uh, young girl who the Virgin Mary appeared to, died right. aged 35 in great pain from tuberculosis of the lungs and bones. Oh, my God. So I mean, I'm not saying no that that's God. a good thing. That's a horrible thing. But It uh, is a horrible thing. Why didn't the Virgin Mary cure Bernadette's terrible illness, seeing as she was the one that got the whole fucking thing started? Yeah. I guess Bernadette could, also sucked at being a Catholic. Maybe she masturbated once. Right. I mean, you know, if you masturbate that was once, a, yeah. that's it. You, you're out. Or she had you're a done. prideful thought. She had a prideful Virgin thought. Mary, nope. you're, 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 you're bathing in the waters. Virgin yeah. Mary's whispering in your ear. Did you rub one out? You rubbed one out, didn't you? <laughs> you rubbed one out. Ever? No, no, no I, ne- I, I never that did. That was a fish. Yes, you did. I did. Yeah. I, yes, you did. You did. You rubbed one out, didn't it you? Was, yeah, it look, was once ill. when I was 17. <laughs> right, that's it. Fucking no cure for you. No cure for you. Um, but despite yeah. uh, dying in great pain and not even being cured by her own magic cure water, uh, right. She was canonized by Pope Pius XI on the 8th of December 1933. She was made a saint, Saint Bernadette. Oh. And then he uh, finished that. Then he went and had dinner with Hitler and Mussolini and they <laughs> laughed about all the Jews that they were killing. <laughs> laughed and laughed and laughed. Oh, my God. Because Pope Pius XI was a complete fucking cunt. And... Uh, <laughs> Love the fascists. Oh, God, did he love the fascists. <laughs> Can't get enough fascies. Yeah. Well, that's an hour. Um, I'm ready to finish oh this episode. Did you want to uh, insert something there? You had an anecdote? Just, well, just, just real quick, because we can't know. Wait. Just re- well, yeah, just just real quick because, and, and I'm not being cynical. This is a, this is an honest appreciation or question. We both know that when Ho is on his way to France, he gets to France, whatever. We know that he has got to present himself in a certain way. We know he's got to be charming. He's got to be nice. He's got to hug the little kids. He's got to do whatever because he's trying to show the French that we are humans too. We are your equal because clearly they're having trouble with that, but. At the same time, he's he's willing to do whatever it takes to um, even eventually war to get to get his way. So he's playing a game, and I, and I just want your opinion: Is he trying to show the French that it doesn't have to come down to war? We truly can look. We we absolutely agree on nothing, but there's got to be a way to work things out so it doesn't come down to war because we just ended a massive world war. I mean, does he really think that this is something that he is capable of work of getting the French to see, to agree, to adhere to? I just I just wonder, is he thinking, look, I've got nothing to lose. I've been doing this for decades. I just wonder what his mindset was as far as 
how successful did he really think he was going to be able to talk the French into giving a part up of their empire when no one ever gives up a part of their empire? And he knows history better than we do. Um, no, I didn't think he. I didn't think he thought that. I didn't think it would happen. I, I think he was skeptical, but he had to try. He had to try, right. and he tried. He gave it. He gave it a shot. Oh, he, Ray. Yeah, yeah. So at least no, they could say, "Well, you didn't even try." Right, right. No, as we're going to see, he's willing to make great concessions, and you're right. That's him being as as sincere as he possibly can. It's up to the French. Well, in our next episode, we'll we'll see what happened in Paris and his negotiations. Uh, but that's next time. Have a good week, people. An iron curtain has descended across the continent. buildup on the island of Cuba. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere.